welcome to Stone Cold Shows. I'm Brandon Strange alongside Charlie Polillo and Josh Jordan. Follow them on X at Polillo and at Josh Jordan 975. We are just a couple weeks away from starting a brand new season of Stone Cold Strows. Gents, one of the reasons that we're excited for this season was the Astros acquisition of Josh Hader. That's got everyone, Astros fans, media, understandably abuzz. And I want to talk to you about how you guys think the Astros are going to deploy him in that bullpen, how we're going to see him used, maybe how we compare this trio, 789, to a very famous trio in Astros lore. But first, I want to get a reaction out of the gates of something that was said on this channel this week. Uh, you may have seen it. If you haven't, I encourage you to go back and watch it. John Granato and Lance Zerline were discussing the hater move. John made the point that the Astros are paying for the bad Montero deal four times. First, they overpaid for a pitcher that was basically unplayable in leverage situations. And because of that, Two, they had to make the trade for Kendall Graveman and move Corey Lee. Then Graveman went down with a shoulder injury and missed the entire postseason and will miss this entire season. You're essentially paying him last postseason this season for nothing and you lost Corey Lee for nothing. And then four, in losing Kendall Graveman, you needed to make a move, a subsequent move to bolster the bullpen, which was the Josh Hader deal. So Charlie Lance, who's former broadcast partner of yours, he pushed back on that idea, said the Graven injury really had nothing to do with the Josh Hader deal. Josh Hader is this the splashy move that Jim Crane wanted to make. I personally think that's off the mark. Where, where do you fall out on this? Oh, it's pretty clearly cause and effect. Graveman has the season-ending surgery, and the Astros suddenly engage with Josh Hader for the first time and sign him, you know, all, all like that. You know, Graveman, once the nail went in the coffin for his season, the Astros knew that was $8 million of sunk cost. And if that's what had Jim Crane say, you know what, we're not going to be able to finesse our way below the competitive balance tax first threshold. So if there's an upgrade available, Dana Brown, get after it. And they got after it. They obviously put a top of market uh, price on the deal, you know, in real dollars a higher value than Edwin Diaz's record contract with the Mets because of deferred money involved with that. And then you throw in Josh Hader won't be paying any state income tax in Texas on his deal as opposed to Edwin with the Mets. So uh, look, Josh Hader's left arm is a lightning bolt. This was a lightning bolt transaction and infusion of excitement and quality to the Astros bullpen and for Astros fans. And it happened quick as lightning. I don't think this was a coincidence. I mean, only really the Astros know for sure, you know, behind the scenes. Because remember, before the Hader deal, there were reports a few days before that about maybe Hector Neris could be an option again. So, but I think it was cause and effect, like Charlie said, because the Astros on the 16th, which was a Tuesday, released the information that Graveman would be out for the year. And then at the press conference the other day, they said Dana Brown called Jeff Barry, Hader's agent, on Tuesday, that same day. And then they said a deal was consummated in 72 hours. So I, I, and of course, I'm sure the Astros knew the Graveman thing could be coming before they released it to the public. I'm not doubting that. But yeah, I don't see how it went down any other way. Tuesday, they announce he's out. Tuesday, they call Hater's agent. And personally, I think they were kicking the tires on Neris and were like, well, why give him three years, 50 million when he's already 35 years old? Let, let's just go broke or go home. Let's go for the top guy on the market. Let's give Hater five years, you know, 95 million. So I think that's how that went down. 
Now, the net result in terms of paying for it four times is they have a better bullpen, right? Josh Hader's a much better pitcher than Kendall Graveman. We'll leave Neris aside. Uh, but let me pull Neris back in. Right? Neris's earned run average was 1.71 uh, last season. So Hader for Neris is not going to be a quantum leap improvement. But Neris gone and Graveman out of the mix, well, they covered Neris and then some, knowing that Graveman wasn't coming back. I'd contrast that in terms of uh, waiting on Graveman, maybe fearing the worst, but until they knew the worst, if they got word, well, maybe he can rejoin around the All-Star break. They're not dropping $19 million on another relief pitcher and doing so for five seasons per. Uh, think of Luis Garcia and Lance McCullers Jr. I mean, in Lance's case, it might be waiting for Godot, but Garcia, for certain, McCullers, hopefully, they expect to join the team somewhere midway, maybe after the All-Star break, even if it's August. Hence, the Astros weren't going to go aggressively into the starting pitcher market because they have a requisite number of starters with two guys, if you will, kind of warming up in the bullpen to join the team along the way. Once there was no chance of Graveman joining the team along the way, they pivoted in the best way possible, going and getting Josh Hader. Yeah, every indication was the Astros have been trying to stay under the CBT threshold. And if the Astros have a healthy Graveman, Abreu, and Presley, there's no way, in my estimation, that Jim Crane, who has never paid that sort of money or sort of years to a free agent, is going out and getting Josh Hader and bringing him in because, quite frankly, it just didn't make sense. It wouldn't make sense. I think they probably keep that powder dry, maybe for another move, maybe for another couple of moves. But when Graveman went down and it was confirmed he was going to need surgery, he was going to miss the year, I think that became a much more pressing matter. And I think the Astros acted accordingly. Charlie, as you said, now they're in a better place off. And one of the reasons why is in a long time, the Astros really haven't had a reliable lefty, much less a flame-throwing, nasty lefty coming out of the bullpen. But on a larger scale, Brian Abreu, Josh Hader, Brian Presley, essentially like having three closers in the pen. And it harkens back to another Astros legendary trio in Octavio Dotel, Brad Lidge, and our guy who just was five votes from making the Hall of Fame in Billy Wagner. So guys, I want to ask you, if you had a, I don't know, playoff series to win, who are you taking? Dotel, Lidge, Wagner versus Abreu, Hader, Presley. Well, Billy the Kid's in his 50s now. I, I, <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting. And, and as we parse this, Billy Wagner was a greater closer than Ryan Presley has been in his career. But Ryan Presley has been perfect as a closer in the postseason. And while obviously a very small sample size, Billy Wagner's postseason numbers were terrible. I don't think it's why he barely missed the Hall of Fame. But within five votes, he should at least get over the finish line in his final year and uh, all's well, that ends, ends well on, on that, we hope, for, for Billy the Kid. Uh, they really are very comparable as threesomes. Right? You cover Wagner to Hader, uh, the blowtorch lefties. Uh, Brian Abreu probably equates more to uh, Brad Lidge than Dotel in being uh, the youngest of the three. Presley, frankly, Probably the third best guy, certainly off how they pitched in 2023. Presley's the number three guy, but he was the closer. Billy Wagner was the unquestioned closer in 2003 and, dare I say, had a Hall of Fame season. 174 ERA, I believe it was, with 44 saves. And the pecking order 
was crystal clear. Uh, Wagner was the ninth inning guy. Dotel and Lidge, they're thought of as Lidge being the younger guy. He was the seventh inning guy. Dotel was the eighth inning guy. There was some variation to that, as there will be with the 2024 Astros. You know, in the playoffs with off days, when the schedule works, if you want to, you could go those guys seven, eight, nine, pretty much every time you have a lead after six innings. But over 162 games, you know, if the starter gives you six, it's not like every time the Astros are ahead, it's going to be those three guys. But they really are comparable when you when you look at the numbers. Uh, Lidge's ERA in 2003 was 360. That was his first full season in the major leagues. Uh, Presley last year was 358. Uh, Wagner, I mentioned, was sub two. Uh, Hader was way sub two last season at 128. It's probably hoping for a bit much to think that he'll match that. But if he comes in at sub two, and then you have Dotel, who was in the... Uh, mid twos for the Astros. Well, Abreu was better than that last season. So to live in the present, I'll lean slightly, you know, anticipation's part of the fun to the 2024 Astros. But I will note on the stats that the 2003 guys amassed a couple of things. One, that was still the tail end of the peak of the steroid era. So mm. runs were more easily put on the board and it was more challenging to keep teams off the board as, as closers and setup guys and well, all pitchers back then. And, uh, you know, 2023 Astros, there was ongoing concern. Are the guys being overworked? Are their arms going to all fall off? Brian Abreu led the Astros bullpen with 72 innings pitched last season. In 2003, Lidge, Dotel, Wagner all worked at least 85 innings. Whether men were more manly back then, you go back a generation, you had relievers working 100 innings plus per season. Uh, but 85 innings as opposed to 68, that's a big workload difference. Josh Hader threw only 56 innings last season. So if you want to maximize usage, at least in the time in which they pitch, that advantage would go to the, the 2003 threesome. 2003 threesome, yeah. It's funny. I I kind of chose some different stats to, to put my points together. I went with career stats, regular season and postseason. So if we're looking at career stats, just – for the regular season, Wagner comes out with the best numbers, obviously. He's a borderline Hall of Famer, lowest ERA at all these guys over his career. The only place over the career where Hader's a little better than Wagner is when it comes to whip. Hader has a lower whip, and he also has a higher uh, strikeout ratio, 15 Ks for every nine innings for Hader, where Billy was close to 12. So there's a couple stats where you take Hader over Billy, but for the most part, Billy's got it there. I, for me, it's kind of easy with career stats. It, it's this new version of the Astros. Presley and Abreu you have, have better ERAs than, than Lidge and Dotel. It's not that close. Kind of all the big numbers, whip numbers, they lead that as well. I will say there's a lot of talk about maybe Presley being the weaker out of these guys. But, I, you know, Charlie mentioned him being perfect in the postseason recently. But this is what amazed me. Since he took over the closer role in 2020, Ryan Presley, if we just look at his postseason numbers since taking over the closer role in 2020, his ERA is 0.79. I mean, it is incredible. He's only given up three earned runs since he took over that closer role in 2020. So, I mean, that's just amazing stuff, over 34 innings. So I got to give it up to Presley when it's, when it's you know crunch time and you need somebody to get in there and get some outs and not give up any runs. He's been better than all these guys. You know, Charlie mentioned Billy Wagner, career ERA in the postseason over 10. It's only in, you know, 11 and two-thirds innings, but the numbers are what they are. And I, and I look, too, over the course of Billy's, 
his career, he was even really good as last year. So it wasn't like, oh, just, you know, in this part of the postseason, he was older and he wasn't pitching good anymore. That wasn't the case. The numbers are just the numbers. So for me, after digging through all this, and trust me, I have a ton of stats. I won't bore everybody with it, but I'm going with this new version of the Astros as being the, the better threesome. Well, it's interesting you talk about how great that Ryan Presley has been as a closer for these Astros. And I think maybe in some aspects, I do wonder if he's underappreciated for what he is. I mean, he's got a nickname of Stressley on Astros Twitter. That's a tough role to have. It's, this raises an important question is how they're going to be deployed, because I've heard a lot of people speculating, a lot of people from the media saying you don't pay a guy five years, $95 million for him to not be your closer. I don't know if it's that simple. How do you think they'll handle balancing having Presley and Hayter in the bullpen for this closing role? Yeah, I think fundamentally, uh, Hayter gets the majority of the, the save opportunities and the contract is a, is a factor in that. And by the way, at a 128 earned run average last season. But, you know, it's not like Presley works for 725 per hour. He's making $15 million this year with the vesting option for 2025. And uh, the Astros are about getting back to an eighth consecutive American League Championship Series and making another World Series appearance. So I, I don't think you play uh, checkbook poker on this, you know, that he who makes the most money is locked in to the, the closer role. And both Dana Brown and, and Joe Espada made clear that they talked with Ryan Presley before making the acquisition and that he was fully on board with it. Well, I mean, it would be poor of him to to not be. Uh, I think a key note, Presley's vesting option is based on appearances, not games finished, not saves. So if he makes 50 appearances, the guarantee kicks in for 2025. That won't be impacted uh, by whether he has 33 saves or three saves behind Hayter. And uh, the Astros should have uh, enough leads that uh, there are some save opportunities to go around uh, the Giants back in the 70s at a bullpen where two different relievers each had 20 saves. That might be a bit ambitious for a hater at Presley split, but I wouldn't rule it out. You know, they were asked about this during the press conference, and they asked Hayter if he if he knew Presley, if they'd ever met before. And until they had a phone call recently, they they hadn't met. He didn't know him, but Hayter said, I'm a big fan of baseball. I love watching playoff baseball. And you can't watch playoff baseball over the last few years without getting a good dose of Ryan Presley. So he's a big fan of his. They're saying all the right things. They just want to win baseball games. That seems to be the comment from both sides. They don't really care so much how they're deployed at least that's what they're saying it's just about winning world series and and that's what you want to hear you know will espada play the matchup game with righties and lefties it's certainly a possibility and, and we know how it is you know you can't use your closer every night there's some nights where he's just going to be unavailable and you go to somebody else so that's why i'm so encouraged by this is there's really no fall off when you go from one guy to the other and back to the threesome thing and doing this deep dive i there was only one year when Dotel, Lidge, and Wagner were doing this seven, eight, nine innings with the Astros as they're currently constructed. This could last more than one year with, with you know Presley's option vest, like we expect, and Abreu is under control, and it's a five-year deal for Hater. I think the longevity of these three guys could really push it over the top. I mean, generally speaking, unless someone's performance really falls off, and we know anytime Hater or Presley blows a save, Joe Espada, Joe Espada put the wrong guy in. No, the pitcher just will have failed on that given day. A Hater with his 1.28 earned run average last season had 
33 saves and blew five save opportunities. Presley had 31 saves and blew six opportunities with his earned run average in the in the mid threes. ERA can be a little deceiving for a relief pitcher because with fewer innings pitched, a lousy outing or two can skew the numbers, does skew the numbers more so than if a starting pitcher gets roughed up in an outing. But Hayter was definitely the better closer of the two, but we're not talking head, shoulders, torso, gap. In the end, the Astros strengthened the strength and uh, you know we're focusing naturally on the three since the Astros have one of the the great threes going into a season of bullpens ever assembled. But depth in numbers beyond that over 162 helps tell the tale. The 2003 Astros will be one measuring stick, certainly for the hater Presley Abreu uh, Troika. The 2022 Astros, the overall depth of that bullpen and then what it did through the postseason where Ryan Stanek of a 1.15 ERA was basically a scrub in the postseason. That's a very recent measuring stick for amazing excellence that the 2024 Astros uh, pen can can uh, strive to achieve. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Been a while since we heard that drop. That's going to be it for this episode of Stone Cold Strohs. We're going to be back in a couple of weeks with the season premiere of season two of Stone Cold Strohs, and you'll get to hear that drop a whole bunch. Make sure you subscribe to us on either YouTube or your favorite podcast app so you get notified when those new episodes drop. Going to be a great season. The three of us are really, really excited about it. So appreciate you listening. Go Astros. Go Astros.